Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation of the Star Trek podcast by a couple guys who are just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Back at it again, Adam. Boy, a lot of anticipation of a new baby stuff in today's episode. Had to make you feel a kind of way, huh? Yeah, all of the wanting wanting my baby not to be like me stuff. <laughs> very relatable. Oh no, Ben. Is this about to be a very special episode of Greatest Generation? <laughs> I just didn't want him to have my nose and forehead ridges, you know? It was mainly about that. I mean... That had to disappoint you then, huh? <laughs> when you wiped Daron off to reveal, ta-da! Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, our mailman is also a Klingon. <laughs> I have to say uh, the timing of this episode also hit me in a, in a specific way, Ben. I've been doing a lot of... I guess what you could call nesting around the house and and I'm mm. just going to I'm just going to say it like I'm going to say it on the show for the first time. We're having company come out and stay with us this weekend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bless your heart. Congratulations. I know we've been trying for a while mm. to get people to come visit us from out of town. Yeah. Our friends from New York are finally going to make it and uh that's great. We're at a point now where it's safe to actually tell people, like, because sure, sure. we're within like the twenty-four hour window. They've checked in for their flight. <laughs> you can't cancel the flight without some real consequences at this point. Yeah, you think of yourself as this kind of cerebral, rational being, and then you've got friends coming in from out of town, and you find yourself, you know, putting things right, you know, getting your house ready for it. Aren't we just, aren't we just <laughs> mammals working off instinct at the end of the day? <laughs> It's so insane. Like, all of my friends are telling me, like, what I have to do when they come in from New York to visit LA. Like, they have all these restaurant recommendations, <laughs> hikes we should take, places we yeah. should go. Yeah. They mean well, right? You yeah. know? I kind of want to decide these things for myself. Yeah. Yeah. It happens to everyone, you know? I mean, my wife and I are fighting a little bit more. Like, I think that's just because we're stressed. Yeah, well, stress and hormones. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just really happy for you, man. I think that I think that you guys are going to be great hosts. That's that's just my hunch. I think you're going to really, really kind of fully flower as people once you're hosting out of town friends. The thing is, Ben, like I've got some real feelings about the sort of hosts my parents were. And I just right. don't want to be like them. You don't want to repeat those mistakes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping, like, my generation is going to mm -hmm. do it right. Or you're going to break the cycle of bad hosting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of that stuff's epigenetic. They find evidence of it in people generations later. Yeah. Yeah. Lot of hosting trauma. <laughs> and look at me. Look at me. I'm hosting right now. <laughs> yeah, you're. It's like I can't escape it. You're hosting the greatest generation. There are so many people that have 
told us that they started podcasts inspired by ours. So in many ways, we have already sowed our seed of hosting. You know, for a couple of years there, I thought I might be too old to host. <laughs> but I'm, I think I'm, you know what? I'm getting more comfortable with the idea of like in the decades ahead, being an old host. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I could I think do that. that would be cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, let me know if you've like registered anywhere for uh, hosting, and uh, I'd love to make a, a special purchase for you and your wife. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bed Bath and Beyond, because we need the linens <laughs> for hosting, Ben. We need so many yeah. linens, and uh, you know, sheets and towels primarily are great. Yeah. You want the freshies for the guests, don't you? Ever since they became what, like a wholly owned subsidiary of Overstock dot com. Oh yeah, I feel like I've really enjoyed buying. Things that were as seen on TV. Oh even yeah. More. I mean, sometimes you buy a cabinet and there's a kid in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want one of those when I'm hosting. No way. That is too much responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's get into the episode. We're almost halfway through season seven now. It's season seven, episode twelve. Lineage. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I mean, where does the time go, Ben? I mean, the show grows up so fast. Yeah, it's the longest, shortest show. (laughs) This cold open is great, and I think it needs to be great because of how emotionally fraught the rest of it is. The vibes are immaculate. BLT and Paris are in such a good mood. Yeah, is this mirror universe or is BLT freshly fucked was a question I kept asking myself. Like, we've never seen their marriage going this great. I love the take that Paris has here where even he's a little suspicious about what a great <laughs> mood she's in. It's another beautiful day in the Delta Quadrant. What'd you have for breakfast? Egypt hasn't been around, has he? Yeah. You go climbing with Egypt? <laughs> She takes her good mood to work. She uh, walks around engineering, is kind of patting everybody on the back, telling them, add a boy, add a girl, until she finds Ichab. And uh, he's up on the second level <laughs> doing something with seven of nine. Did this feel a little off? Like, she's so fucking happy, and then she sees Ichab, and whoa, <laughs> she lights into him from across the room. I don't remember giving you permission to work here. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. Was it that she didn't see Seven of Nine at first? The way the the scene was blocked and and the camera angles that they picked kind of didn't... I wasn't quite clear on what this was. Because if it's just like Icheb is not under any circumstances, even when being supervised, allowed in engineering... That's one thing. I like your theory, though, about, like, if you run into your teacher at the grocery store, it's just like, that is a person I don't expect to see here. And it kind of freaks me out. (laughs) You're going to be really freaked out when you see that I'm also here. A pipe sprung a leak and right next to the warp core. I know you don't like when that kind of thing happens. I'm kind of like the ship's janitor. I've got keys to the whole ship. A lot of people don't even notice when I'm in the room, you know? You, the things you overhear in a job like this. I mean, if I could hear over all the slopping of this squeegee. You know how I relax? I go into the holodeck. 
and create a program where the pipes all lead away. Hey, Echeb, when I go rock climbing with BLT, I'm very far down the rock, but I'm still looking up. <laughs> Things are looking up for Echeb's brother. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Hey, watch that first step, though, BLT. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. She is uh, weak in the knees upon seeing this Borgs in her engineering section. You ever think about how difficult this might be for an actor? Like, we've talked about act drunk before. We've talked about hanging tear. But like, yeah. kind of a slip and fall act, making it look plausible. This doesn't look yeah. easy. Well, Roxanne Dawson started her career as a career plaintiff. So uh, she she actually did have a lot of uh, reps uh, selling uh, a bad tumble That's in a grocery fun. store or whatever. Uh-huh. <laughs> She starts kind of flopping around like she's in something slippery. She really can't get her feet under her. Sorry, I'll get to that in a minute. That's my bad. Should have put up a cone. <laughs> uh, let me just say, piso mojado. I love, like, the one person BLT doesn't want around, as stated, is Egypt. And sure as shit, Ichib is the one that gets in there first with the tricorder. Yeah. I thought it was very funny writing that the Borgs don't know where babies come from. Yeah. And they're like, this has Parasite written all over it. Second life sign from within the same birdie? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, it does not look good. Uh, Seven knows, though. Yeah. Seven does the math. She radios up to the doctor. This is like... A good moment for her, though, right? She gets so few opportunities to be like, hey, sis, I'm going to walk you to Six Bay. Like, she has that moment and only that moment to do this. But I think it's significant. <laughs> it is. It's a good moment. Yeah, like, that's not quite a, a maternal thing, but there's like a thing that I feel like, uh, you know, like when my wife became pregnant or um, to cite another example, like when your wife decided to host some friends. I think that's the one more people could relate to. They gather women around them, uh-huh. you know, to to kind of, you know, this is something that uh, they only they can relate to on a certain level. The hosting showers tonight, Ben, I got to clear out. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, do you want to come over here and knock back some brewskis with your boy? Yeah, let's do that, man. Let's give him a wide berth. <laughs> <laughs> so when we come back from theme, uh, it is Tom and Bolana meeting with Dr. Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. About the news of their, uh, of you know, their surprise news. It seems, seems like uh, they've been not trying, but not not trying is kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. Like, they pulled the goalie, but they didn't, she wasn't, like, taking her temperature every morning. Ben, I'm just going to ask the question. I think it's the question on everyone's mind here. There's four holes down there, right? Oh, man. <laughs> it's, it's a real, it's what you call a target-rich environment when you're a pilot. Go see when you can get laid in a place like this. I mean, it's probably the thing that makes Paris wait a beat when answering the question, like, you've been trying, right? Because, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sometimes you're going to be where you should be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do they really need two buttholes for for redundancy? <laughs> I mean, from what I gather, it's total redundancy, right? I guess so, yeah. But third lung, it's not total total. Right. 
I mean, but there's no such thing as a half a hole. That's true. You're either a hole or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, she's seven weeks along. Mm-hmm. She's learning all about it. You know, there's going to be some mood swings. You're going to have a great big appetite. You know, that's one thing I didn't mention, knowing I'm going to be hosting soon, mm. is like my diet is has completely flown out off a cliff. Like, yeah, I'm eating everything I can. You know, I didn't say it earlier, but I have been meaning to say I really appreciate that when you talk about it, you say we're hosting, not my wife is hosting. I know. Yeah. Because what it says to me is that you're in a mindset and a grind set that this is <laughs> as much your responsibility as it is hers. And while her body is bearing the brunt of the hosting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. I don't I don't want to keep going with the metaphor. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the doctor <laughs> the doctor calls their attention to some inconveniences about the whole human-Klingon conception combination, right? Yeah. All pregnancies are their own challenges, and yet this one, uh, for its unique properties, could present some even more interesting challenges to them. They seem to be all right with this. What they are not all right with is knowing the gender at this point. Yeah, they're going to leave that a secret. Do you, how about, how about with your uh, out of town guests? Do you know yet? Well, Ben, we got both pink and blue solo cups uh. <laughs> for the partying. So I think we'll, you know what? Some people might find it really uh, like hyper progressive, but I'm going to let the guests choose what cups they use. Hell yeah. One more filling them up with beverages. Right on. So, yeah, they, uh, they're they not going to be cutting into a solo cup and revealing what <laughs> what color the beverage is inside. This is definitely the era where, like, a torpedo launch ceremony on Star Trek could be the gender <laughs> reveal party of its era, right? <laughs> they set a nebula on fire yeah. in the color of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're happy, they're like bickering a little bit, but it's because they're overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. But uh, most importantly, as they walk down the hallway after this doctor visit, they agree that this is going to be a secret that they reveal to people later. That's right. And the mood in this corridor, this is a corridor episode. Not unlike the very last episode, which was also like using the corridor conversation as a space between story beats like yeah. the corridors tell the emotional story of this episode throughout and in this corridor scene the mood's a little different yeah like they're in full-on planning mode yeah the way i am right now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. planning on doing a, a grocery trip tonight yeah and and you know wondering whether you're gonna need to like reconfigure your house like is the home office gonna have to change functions sure yeah do we have enough brood? <laughs> really top of mind right now. Yeah. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do it. No sooner have they agreed that the baby is going to be a secret than Tom walks into Neelix's restaurant to almost like surprise party. It'd be like if you had a surprise party, but it was just Neelix and then a bunch of people from Central Casting and none of your friends. <laughs> Or for you, it, it's like just a lot of barbecue. Yeah. 
Oh, you shouldn't have. I I like Neelix. Neelix can't help that he wasn't supposed to know. He offers Paris a glass of the blue drink of Ichib running his fucking mouth. <laughs> it's Ichib's fault, right? It's not Neelix's fault. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this. You're the only one that can enjoy the blue drink right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you just... A- this is a serious question now for you. Mm. Are people just allowed to fucking campaign for Godfather? <laughs> Did that ever happen to you? No. I'm shocked that this is a thing that pervades this entire episode. I thought you were nominated. I never thought you campaigned for it. Yeah, maybe this is like a small town thing. Like the... Voyager crew is so up each other's asses because there's only 125 of them or whatever that if you don't put your foot forward, like somebody else is going to get it and then that's just going to be drama. Tell you what, man, I'm looking for less jobs yeah. if I'm on Voyager. <laughs> Leave me out of that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Neelix, the cook and the head of, uh, I guess, morale and head diplomat of the ship wants to also become a godfather for the second time. And Paris is a little irritated about everybody knowing. I like this uh, this Talaxian saying, Omar Salas, good news has no clothes. Mm-hmm. In our culture, it's the emperor. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea of, and I don't know whether this is true, I've never been a godfather, nor do I know any godfathers, but like, I kind of feel like their role is grandmother or grandfatherly, and that like, if you were a morale officer on a ship, grandparents are often like the morale officers of a family. Like, (laughs) I have great memories of my grandparents just being the folks that gave me the greatest time and then handed me back. Like, <laughs> what a great role to have. Yeah. The surprise party for BLT is a little bit fancier. It is the commander and captain showing up at her her job and offering her a bunch of paid time off, which uh, is nice to see. You know, nobody's offering that to Paris. There's, you know, work to be done in that area for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The disparity between treatment here, really troubling. Don't like seeing it. Yeah. And that's why I just, as a co-owner of Uxbridge Shimona, do want to offer you paid time off for when you have out-of-town guests, Adam. That's great. I plan on, as soon as this record is done, turning the out-of-office on on the email and uh, calling it a couple days. As well you should. There's coffee in that time off. They're very thrilled for her. And, uh, you know, she's kind of, give me a break, like... (laughs) I'm going to keep coming to work. If the only tension in the episode was the doting, I would feel like that was sufficient. I thought that's what this episode was going to be. Like, BLT cannot deal with the doting. Yeah. If you need to cut back on your duties, I'm sure Seven would be happy to fill in for you. I think I can handle it. I mean, even Harry's doing it, right? Harry yeah. catches Tom in the hallway, says, like, you're going to you're gonna become a square, man. Like, you're, you're going to stop being awesome. You're going to stop doing, like, bad shit with your friends. Mm-hmm. Sucks. Yeah, you gotta stop smoking real cigarettes. I lasted 22 minutes. You know what? Crucially, Harry Kim does not ask to be Godfather because he knows better. He doesn't want that responsibility. No way. Shows a little bit of tact, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Is it just like uh, you have to have a, a higher rank than lieutenant to to be the godfather of a lieutenant's child? Oh, that's interesting. If that's part of the equation, huh? Hmm. Hmm. Maybe, but he doesn't ask. If nominated, he will not run. <laughs> if elected, he will not serve. Yeah. In the Jeffries tube where uh, Tuvok is working, a very interesting scene happens. Paris has never in his entire career volunteered for extra work. And this really <laughs> fucks with Tuvok big time. You can yeah. see the architecture of, of his mental defenses completely fracture here. <laughs> he starts uh, taking his tricorder to Tom and is like, I am detecting a parasite. <laughs> Yeah, incredible. Tuvok doesn't drink tea that's been spilled by other folks. He had no idea that Paris is about to have guests. And Paris does that thing where he starts like nervously talking about his feelings, just word vomiting all over Tuvok. It's interesting. Like, I guess this isn't really a security issue. So maybe that's why Tuvok hasn't heard. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting to me that like, the guy that's supposed to be on top of everything that's going on on the ship is the last to know about something like this. But uh, yeah, Paris is like, okay, well, I'm going to be a father. Like, can you give me the the high level? Like, what do you do? And Tuvok is like, no. <laughs> that's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. The way Tuvok describes it makes it seem as though parenthood is the most difficult challenge of being a logical Vulcan. Yeah. Talking your kids into being logical sounds hard as fuck. Yeah. But also, like, not, like, kids do very much, like, experiment and learn from the world by, you know, trying trying stuff in a, mm -hmm. in a way that's, like, not unscientific, <laughs> at least initially. I mean, I don't know. They're also, like, very much not logical, but. Yeah, I mean, they're dumb as hell. For a yeah. long time. Yeah. So you got to anticipate paradox. That's that's the little nugget of advice that he comes up with. I love that Tuvok doesn't give advice, but rather just an observation after being a father for a couple of kids, right? This is what it was like for me. This is how I saw it. Good luck. Yeah. That night, it feels like BLT is escaping the rest of the ship by coming home, right? Like, yeah. she almost comes into the quarters and, like, barricades the door behind her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, everybody has, through offering their well wishes, offered a lot of thoughts. And they're both kind of decompressing by just going, like, hey, I wish everybody would fucking chill out and keep those things to themselves. And she's really going through it. That's that's a heavy burden, and it's it's falling disproportionately on her. This is not the greatest moment for Tom to make a little race joke. Oh, yeah. People should know better than to interfere with a Klingon mother. What's that supposed to mean? Yeah, I mean, this is a sensitive time. You got to be really sure about the jokes in this scene if you're Tom Paris. Yeah, it really sets her off and she is, she's about to boil over when she kind of catches herself and she's like, oh, right, the doctor told us that these are going to be High stakes emotional times, what with all the hormones coursing through my birdie. Incredible moment of science fiction here. <laughs> I mean, wow. 
<laughs> a person catching themselves yeah. before the boil over? It's amazing. Especially amazing for BLT. Like, I feel like she's the character that has been written to be the one to boil over. Oh, yeah. Fastest and most often on this crew. Yeah. But it, this scene ends really nicely with them, you know, kind of committing to this being a thing that they get to go through together. And it's not about all these other people and their unasked for opinions. Boy, if they think this is the challenge that they're going through primarily, things really get kicked off in Six Bay where the doctor has called them. In the middle of the room, they see a messed up spine projected yeah. to them and uh, it runs in the family Yeah, for BLT. There's a pronounced curvature to the left and Tom is like, this is from my dick, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paris doesn't bottom out at cervix. He bottoms out at like, D12 vertebrae. Am I making any sense here? There's something that runs in BLT's family. She had to have surgery on her spine when she was a girl. And uh, when the doctor mentions that this is like much more likely to affect girls than boys in Klingon genetics. They sort of catch on. And uh, I I loved Robert Picardo's performance of like trying to grab the words and shove them back into his mouth. But uh, yeah, he spills the beans and uh, oh man, you might as well just tell us it's a girl. What a moment. So Paris is like, cool spine, bro. What do you think about like doing a holographic ultrasound and like show us the whole birdie? Yeah. And it's easy. Of course he he can do that. They can. And they do. And the doctor beeps and boops and hits a button and it's the dancing baby from Ally McBeal. Ooga chaka. Ooga chaka. <laughs> <laughs> I do not remember if there are any other words to that song. <laughs> I can't stop this feeling because I do not remember why I am having them. <laughs> if you can fix the spine genetically, can you fix the frontal lobe? You gotta think that maybe Kern or one of Kern's friends took him to the doctor and was like, can you, sort of like reversing a vasectomy, like, you can... <laughs> Unscramble this egg? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> this guy is a pain in the ass. <laughs> I mean, he, he keeps it interesting down there at Bajoran TSA, but honestly, we could use somebody that had a little bit more than a three-second span of memory. We get a flashback here, kind of abruptly, to a, a campfire scene and a stranger telling BLT that she looks like her mother. And I seem to think that this man looks like Lloyd Braun. <laughs> In the friscalating campfire light. 
Yeah. You never could compete with Lloyd Braun. But like recast later season Lloyd Braun. Not yeah. hunky, like still works for the mayor pre sure. going to the insane asylum Lloyd Braun. I think there's a lot of trust put on the viewer in how these flashbacks are deployed because this flashback tells you almost nothing. It's just a little snip before we're back out of it. And many flashbacks are kind of untethered to the story as it moves forward. You're just like dropping little clues that don't really have a conclusion. This one seems to have been triggered by Paris kind of innocently suggesting that their daughter is going to look a lot like her mother, BLT. Right. And that is revealed to be kind of an unwelcome thought based on the flashback and BLT's face when we cut back from it. Yeah. And BLTI's commercial and then BLTI's from commercial where she's now lying in bed just kind of lost in thought. I feel like they reconfigured their quarters. This bed situation looks different from before, right? Yeah. The headboard is enormous. I mean, this is a starship. You're really using that much of the confined space you have on headboard? I can't agree with this (laughs) as a decorating decision. It's too much headboard. Yeah. It's so big. It's like that carpeted headboard you know that's like meant to it's meant to be the sort of thing you can lay up against without the need for a pillow or whatever like to read a book (laughs) i don't think they're using that for book reading man i think i think they're knocking it out with that headboard you think it's an accommodator headboard i think it's absolutely an accommodator (laughs) (laughs) amazing (laughs) i suppose if you're paris you you really need the pelvis up in a way that you can observe all four holes. You really need to figure it out. Yeah. You need four itty-bitty book lights and a headboard <laughs> like that to know what you're doing. Yeah. Complicated job of spelunking down there. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a lot to take in all at once. I mean, BLT is disturbed, but Paris is not fully concerned about her at the moment. Like... Tomorrow's the date of the procedure, the spine-fixing procedure. Doesn't seem like there's a lot to worry about, but like mm-hmm. every surgery is serious, I guess, no matter what century you're in. So yeah, she's uh, preoccupied. Yeah, and uh, I think you can probably, I mean, when you've got out-of-town guests coming, sometimes you can find yourself just lost in thought, thinking about, you know, what's it going to be like? What's, yeah. what's this going to mean? There's a quality to having guests from out of town visit where you just need to be open to the mystery of it, too. Like, you can't try to force it into being a thing. It's just going to be the thing that it is. Right. In many ways, it's going to show you what kind of thing it is. (laughs) Yeah. We get a flashback here. This is not a dream. I think that's important, even though it's a scene of of bed rest. We're back at that camping trip, and there's young BLT. And there's your dad, and she wants to go fishing with her dad and her dad's brother. She does not want to go hiking with the other kids because she thinks that the other kids don't like her. Well, it's either that or she's worried she's going to kick one of them in half. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I think there's got to be rules about Klingon kids hanging out with human kids where like sports are not on the table. <laughs> they have to have their own league, right? Once you kick your friend's head off, there's no going back from that. <laughs> How badly did you want that to be the story here? <laughs> so so profoundly badly. Basically, we're at the half mark of the episode, and I'm I'm disappointed from here on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they don't make a lot of BLT's 0.5x strength, you know, by being half Klingon. Yeah, yeah. Maybe what's so terrifying about her strength is that she wouldn't kick the head off she would just like grotesquely maim it <laughs> like she'd kick and just fucking cave that thing in like a, yeah. like a flattened soccer ball yeah cousin dean is gonna survive but what kind of life is he gonna live <laughs> i mean the thing that no one says but you know they're thinking it is like it probably would have been better if the if the head flew off <laughs> Never <laughs> gotten full separation. <laughs> Go! <laughs> so <laughs> it's the next morning. Paris is making peanut butter sandwiches for breakfast for some reason. This is my breakfast. Peanut butter toast. Oh, yeah? you Like an open-faced peanut butter sandwich? Oh, yeah. Love it. Wow. Four days out of five, peanut butter toast. Amazing. Love it. Put a fried egg on that or? Not on peanut butter. <laughs> so she's like heading out the door for the procedure, and they get in sort of a like, are you also coming, Tom, chicken game that results in Tom letting her go solo, which I think... <laughs> Is a huge. I think this is the original sin Tom Paris makes in this episode. I had two competing thoughts about this choice Paris makes. One is you gotta feel obligated to go to this and you gotta go right through the defenses in order to do it. But also, if you don't go to this, you've set up an expectation that uh, maybe you don't go to all the things. Yeah. Maybe that's just. Yeah. What, how it is between you two. And I like that <laughs> a lot. Because if he goes to this, the expectation is he's going to it all. Yeah. I went to it all. I went to every single one. I don't think that surprises anyone. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I've, I've got to get that platinum. Nice. You just dropped gold. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. 
And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. Is that understood? I'm giving you an order. I'm giving you an order. You have just crossed the line. BLT gets to sick bay and Dr. Mark is bragging on how he's loaded a bunch of obstetrics and pediatrics information into his database. And uh, Ensign Wildman is actually in six bay off in the corner and you can just see a Dixon Ticonderoga <laughs> snap in her fist when she hears this. You did it for her? Yeah, it kind of feels like sort of that quality where where parents say that they dote over the first and and kind of let the second do whatever. Yeah, this is sort of the opposite of that in doctoring. Yeah, no kidding. He's got all all these things planned for you know a Lamaze class and parenting uh, seminars and all these things. And uh, this is all stuff that he's telling her about as he gets her ready for 
her procedure, which uh, we don't get to see. Instead, we get another flashback, and this is the one where where Dean puts a worm on young BLT's sandwich. Tries to make her eat a uh, peanut butter and gach sandwich. Fucking Dean, man. He's always doing this. Yeah. This is the thing about like little kids who who torture worms. Gotta keep an eye on Dean, I think. Yeah. From now on. He grew up to be the head of academics and student performance at a college. Damn. Yeah. That's tough. Sick. Sick shit. <laughs> Back in Six Bay, uh, even though the procedure was performed in almost total darkness, <laughs> which as a patient, I wouldn't prefer that. Mm. You could tell me that it's just better for the mood. I don't like that one bit. Yeah. Why'd you put on Marvin Gaye? What's that about? Great success is this procedure. Yeah. But next stop is uh, that hollow lab. And uh, BLT fires up that image of their unborn baby and then starts like making modifications. She like has the computer project to 12 years old. And then she starts doing like Gattaca to get the ridges off of this baby's head. I could have lived in this scene for another five minutes. Yeah. Show me like the alien resurrection versions of the daughter. Like <laughs> like she makes a mistake genetically and she's like, oh, oh God. Wait, 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 put that one back. <laughs> yeah, I did want to see, I did want to see horror show child. I also, like I, you always want horror show child to say, kill me. <laughs> Um, you do. You really do. What would this kid look like without a stupid haircut? Can we see that version? Yeah. Computer? That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. BLT, like, even though the the child as depicted is not grotesque, BLT can barely look at her. Yeah. Until she starts deleting some genes. And the tinkering finally gets her to a point where the daughter does not have forehead ridges. Yeah. Now this is a daughter she can look at. Yeah. A blonde. And so she takes this information to Mark, who is really pissed about this idea. It's kind of weird that her version of genetic perfection is blonde and blue-eyed. Yeah. Yikes, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of surprised that no discussion at all came up in this episode of like the rules inside the Federation of not messing with your kids genetically. Like, did Dr. Bashir, like, make a precedent that that's not an issue anymore or something? I mean, who's going to know? They're all the way out there. Yeah, I guess so. And if you can reprogram the doctor... Can you reprogram him or something? Who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah. So if doctor says no, ask dad, and she goes and talks to Paris about it, and it's another big, big argument, and it's a, a total non-starter for Paris. Like, he is saying, like, I love you the way you are, and I want our kid to look like you because that's the person I love, and, like, stripping all your genetics out is is no good. And then we smash cut to the ready room where they've sort of made Janeway into the ship's couples counselor. Since the days of the first wooden vessels, Ben, all shipmasters have had one happy privilege, <laughs> that of genetically modifying the unborn children of two people they've... <laughs> United in the bonds of matrimony. 
She does not relish this. I'm not exactly sure what you want me to do. Lawyer BLT whips out some interesting precedents on the captain. Namely, that she did the same thing to Seven when Seven came aboard. Yeah, not the same mm. is, is her argument. Yeah, and Paris's argument. She cannot nope out of this fast enough. Yeah, she's sort of, uh, it's like the Supreme Court declining to hear a case, you know. Yeah. You two need to work this out. <laughs> I love that just left hanging at the end of this scene. And then the next scene is Tom showing up at Harry's like, can I sleep on your couch, bro? <laughs> Unspoken, but I think inferred this season is Kim's instrument change to the alto sax. Yeah. What's that about? I mean, I also switched from clarinet to alto sax. I think this is the woodwind progression that you go through from middle school to high school. But I uh, wonder what happened. I mean, the alto sax uh, seems to be a sexier instrument. Oh, sure. So so maybe he's just, you know, he doesn't want to play with a handicap anymore. Yeah, yeah. With the ladies. This appears to be a thing that's happened many times before. Like, Paris has a go bag. <laughs> Harry Kim does have the sheets that yeah. fit his couch. And boy, you really need to use those sheets on Harry Kim's couch, because if you didn't, that thing is going to look like nuclear waste under a black light, right? <laughs> he was stating the obvious again. <laughs> yeah, so they get him set up, and uh, I like the conversation. I like Terry Kim's advice of like, hey, maybe if you had a conversation with her about this in a way that validates all of the things she's feeling and doesn't put her on the defensive immediately, uh, she'd be willing to hear your side of things. <laughs> It's like, like I'm going to do that. <laughs> the woman that bought me a tube television so yeah. I could watch my old shows? No way. I'm glad that this episode didn't lean fully into, like, Paris is a classic man. Tin man. You know, who likes classic things, mm. including classic male opinions and a classic male pattern of argument. Like, I think... This episode makes the case that, you know, Tom Paris is trying and he has a great sense of compassion. And I think the episode chooses a side pretty much throughout and it makes BLT seem pretty un unreasonable in how she's acting for a long, long, long portion of this episode. Yeah, not necessarily unreasonable, but there, another shoe has yet to drop with BLT. Right, yeah. That being said, Adam, like if in the run-up to your out-of-town guests coming, if anything comes up where you need to crash on my couch over here, you know, my couch is your couch. It's like the more I think about it, there's a not insignificant part of me that is like not ready for this. Yeah. And I kind of just want to cancel the whole thing. Yeah, but that's a two-person decision, and it's really just a one-person decision, and you're not that person. And, you know, like, I think that there's something really powerful about surrendering to the <laughs> fact that after your guests arrive, your life will never be the same. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of surrender. <laughs> so, this is another, like, BLT getting into bed, and it's a flashback and not a dream, which... I think I was confused both times. I'm like, is she dreaming this? Nope. She, like, we come back and she's still in her bed awake. But don't you prefer the lack of embellishment here? Like, I'm glad there's not, like, a 
blinding white flash of light and a sound effect and like a music bed or whatever. Like I, I don't yeah. need any of that. These are not magic flashbacks. They are, they are just regular ass yeah. human memories. This isn't a spirit quest. Three quarter human memories. Half human memories. Fuck. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but this is kind of the long one. This is where we find out what is really eaten BLT. <laughs> She's like run off into the woods and uh, her dad and uncle come back and are looking for her. She comes back and her cousins kind of fess up. They they admit to what they did. And then later that night, her dad tells her like, you got to just let this stuff run off your back and not be so sensitive about racism. And she's like, easy for you to say, dad. And then later still, dad is like sitting at the campfire drinking beers with his brother. And she is overhearing him just like vent to his brother about how hard raising a young half Klingon is and how their mom predicted that he wouldn't be up to living with a Klingon, and now he lives with two. You got to do better if you're the dad here about uh, maybe taking this conversation down to the river, away yeah. from the campsite. Let's go do a, a night fish or something. Yeah. Don't do this within earshot of a tent. A tent doesn't block sound. Is this how BLT was radicalized into the Maquis? Maquis? <laughs> you can see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, between how how little the, the John Snores story moves the needle and the over here, he's in an unrecoverable kind of uh, dad spin. Yeah. Don't like it. Unforced error by John Torres. I know you don't want to do it. Do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. The next morning, BLT is at work, and Chakotay grabs her to uh, go get coffee. They run into Tom in the hallway, and Chakotay. Chakotay knows when to get the fuck out. God, Chakotay is such a bro. Yeah. He's the best. He's had a good run of episodes. He really has. After being largely ignored for the last couple of seasons, I... I feel like he's finishing strong here. Chakotay's back, baby! He's back! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes to get a pad and a uh, little awkward interaction between Tom and BLT, who spent the night apart. We learn that Harry is a hot room sleeper. I just can't get with this. Yeah. This fundamentally changes how I feel about Harry Kim. I know, man. Like... I thought he was the person I admired most. Now? This? He's got a saxophone out in the open with warm spit in it. <laughs> just in his room. Yeah. You think that couch sleeps warm also? I think it does. Yeah. That looks like, uh, I mean, it's not going to breathe. The fabric is impregnated with protein. Yeah. Oof. Do not like knowing that. So they get called to Six Bay before they even make it to breakfast. Turns out Mark has uh, has had a change of heart. He's looked over the genetic alterations that BLT has proposed. And not only can they happen, they must happen. Because otherwise, degradation. The kid wouldn't be viable. This is a really good depiction of a patient getting a second opinion. 
even in the 24th century, Paris is like, huh, <laughs> interesting. I don't know much about this shit. Yeah. I'm a pilot. So he takes the doctor's prognosis over to the ass lab for Seven and Egypt to look at. And he's like, hey, Egypt, can you look at this? Oh, hey, Egypt, brother. Hey, Egypt. Egypt clocks the problem right away. Yeah. He's on this. Because his people know everything about genetics. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, he's like, this dude didn't carry the one. Mm-hmm. All of this math is fucked up. Yeah. Something's wrong here. Yeah. Ichib, like, turns over the pad and is like, yeah, if you go through with these uh, genetic modifications, this is what your daughter's going to look like. And the and the pad's turned away from camera, and all you see is Paris's react. <laughs> this is B. Dunks's best moment here. <laughs> and you just hear from the pad, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so they got to get to six bay they got to get on top of this uh because uh blt is now picking up the phone this feels dangerous like right now the mood change in this episode it kind of gave me chills yeah there is like a real horror element like she went into the code of the doctor and changed him to do something that she wanted him to do that subtle touch of making the procedure done in low light, I think, also creeps out the whole scene. Yeah. It gives it a real schism vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Computer dim lights. Six Bay has been, like, cut off from the rest of the ship, and they have to, like, force the door and stuff. I love the suction cup door prop that, that they've yeah. used for, for, like, decades in Star Trek. Yeah. Give me that once a season. Yeah. BLT is wild for this one, and they put a stop to this procedure. You know, the doctor is shut off, and the security guys give the squabbling couple a moment. This is where things really come to a head, and she kind of spills about what happened on this camping trip and how having heard the stuff that her dad said to her uncle uh, after they thought she'd gone to sleep, she told her dad, maybe you'd be happier living somewhere else. And he actually took that advice and acted on it and moved out. And she never heard from him again. He went out for a pack of Klingon cigarettes. <laughs> Do those have two filters or how does that work? The, the lung cancer picture warning on the pack are like three diseased lungs. <laughs> you actually have to like folded out like wallet-sized photographs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting because like she tells this story and it, it does take a few beats for Paris to like do the math on she is assuming that history is going to repeat itself and that this daughter will have the same horrible experience being treated badly by other children and then Tom Paris will leave her. Mm-hmm. And I love the bit that Paris does here because he takes a like a manila envelope and reaches into it and he says, well, what the results I have here say is, I am not your father. And BLT just runs around six peg on, woo, yeah, woo. <laughs> you got to remember like in the late 90s, this is how announcements like this took place. <laughs> It changes the mood when she realizes he's not her father. 
I think B Dunks and Roxanne Dawson do so much more here than what's on the page. Yeah. And I think very specifically, like the beginning of this scene, I resisted wanting to go along with them on whatever it was that they were doing. Like it felt to me in the beginning of the scene, what BLT was doing was dangerous and hard to forgive. Mm, Yeah. And most definitely puts their relationship in jeopardy. And what they were able to do is act through a scene that made it plausible, believable, and acceptable for them to reconcile by the end of it. And I could not have predicted that because I felt like the whole BLT dug was way too deep. Yeah, I think... Like you could bury a 12-year-old quarter Klingon, three-quarter human child in it. No, I think you make a good point. Like, I think it's really well written, but I think it's superlative acting because, like, it's what you want at this point in an episode. Like, how are they going to get out of this one? But it's so rare in Star Trek for that to just be an interpersonal conundrum between two characters. It's, like, barely a science fiction problem in this story. I mean, like, they put some some fun science fiction clothes on this, but ultimately this is a story about a character who has a really deep conflict about her, you know, mixed heritage and is acting irrationally to try and forestall the kind of pain she experienced as a child from splashing over onto Mm -hmm. her own child and that causing a giant rift in her present day relationship. And I think it's super relatable and super well executed. I think one of the things Paris does here, which I think is instructive for anyone in a relationship, really, and this is a mistake I make too often. I can be the sort of arguer that, like, is so rational. Like, I can't get on the emotional page of the person I'm in an argument with. And that can be really irritating to the person that I'm arguing with who wants to argue in emotional territory using emotional terms. And when Paris sees that that is the ground that BLT is covering, does not choose to say, like, look, I can't promise it'll be forever because that's a crazy promise to make. The way a rational person would be thinking, instead, he promises, baby, baby, I'm going to be there forever for you in the way that I think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Good job, Paris. Yeah. Good job, BLT. We get a... EMH's log, Marcus, real happy to be back to Normsey's. BLT comes around to apologize for messing with his program. Not sufficient, BLT. <laughs> like, I didn't you want someone to not forgive her? Yeah. Like, she really fucked a lot of things up. I love the way he takes this. He's like, I don't know what I did to deserve your disrespect. <laughs> and she's like, hey, that gives me a great idea. I wonder if you'd like to be her godfather. Wow. That's great, Ben. Did you like the episode, Adam? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. I found this episode deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> well, because you're, you're going through it right now. You got out-of-town guests coming. At some point in this episode... Not enjoyable. 
<laughs> and I think it's because you don't often see Star Trek go this hard with two characters going hard at each other. Yeah. Like there's a lot of superficial arguing in Star Trek, but this one really goes deep. And, you know, out of one side of my mouth, I was like, I really praised how the episode came to its climax and resolution in that in that scene at the end because it was so well performed. But it's really hard to forgive what BLT did. And even though Paris and like to a separate and different degree, Dr. Mark do forgive BLT, I don't know if I could forgive what is basically like kidnapping and mutilation on the table here. Like that's really tough. Yeah. And it's a magic trick this episode performs to sort of be like, forgive and, and forget and move on. But like, yeah. this is one of those episodes that does not conform to real life in a way that that is plausible or believable. Like, this is a satisfying science fiction show ending because that's sort of the way it has to be. But yeah, really complicated stuff in this one. And it's weird that they did this episode after Roxanne Dawson had been pregnant and had already given birth. Like, <laughs> yeah. if they go through with, I, I haven't seen the end of this season, but like, if she shows pregnancy and stuff, like, man, I wonder what that would have felt like to do this episode while pregnant. And I wonder how it felt after being a mother to do this for Roxanne Dawson. Like, what a unique challenge for a performer in this case. Totally. Yeah. That's what I thought. What about you? I think you made some really great points just there. And yeah, I definitely thought more than once in this scene, like, yeah, whatever. Just pull out the engineering smock. You've been through this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't uh, I don't know what, what we have in store. I don't remember season seven very well at all. So um, I'm curious to see what happens as we go through this like they did not write the pregnancy to an end at the end of this episode yeah so it's it's going to be a going concern yeah. and uh i'm excited to see what that leads to well the end of a greatest gen episode leads to the priority one message has been you want to see what we got about to burst over there mm -hmm. priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental income supplemental yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. And if we got a priority one message here, it is from Andrew. It's to you and me. It goes like this. I'm still upset you went to the UK and not Ireland. We're right next door <laughs> and way cooler. Also, I was living in Kenya when Ben was there and he didn't even say hello. Wow. Despite all these personal slights, Thank you for the many hours of quality pod. Here are some scarves. Africa drop! Ben gets the call very late at night. His wife hears only whispers of some quiet conversation. He's coming in 1230 flight. Status upgrade into a lay flat seat for sleep salvation. He clears customs with a carnet Hoping to film some fun exotic worlds Or eat the rawest meat He returns and cannot wait to say Boy oh 
boy, I've got stories for you. It doesn't take a lot to get me telling you. There's nothing Ben would love more than to tell you. Ben's gonna talk about Africa. It's gonna take some time to tell you things you never asked. Wow. Dang. Calling your shot on the Africa drop is pretty legendary. Moved by Andrew. I was hoping to one day update the Africa drop for another Africa trip you might have taken. That that opportunity had not presented itself. We even went to uh, Ethiopian food for dinner not that long ago. I had thought that stories of that evening would make the show sufficient to update the drop. That didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. The last time I was in the motherland, it was for uh, the wedding of a, a dear friend of mine. But mm-hmm. now that he's married, I'm not sure I'm going to have another excuse anytime soon. But uh, boy, I'd love to go back. I want to go to Malindi. It's this like beach community in Kenya that has like tons of Italians living in it. And apparently some of the best Italian food in the world. How about that? Available in Malindi, Kenya. And it's like just paradise on earth. Also on top of that. I want to go to Ireland. Yeah, Ireland is cool. Did we make a huge mistake? According to Andrew, we did. I asked our our booking agent to, to get us a show in Ireland. And he checked with the home office of his agency in London and they said don't go to Ireland so this is another time that the English fucked the Irish over in a long line of times so I think I think our beef is really with the English there are some hard and fast rules to live podcasting and many of them don't really apply to greatest gen or greatest trek I feel like uh, killing in London was something that neither of us saw happening we absolutely destroyed there to a sold out room that ruled don't do shows in LA seems to actually be true. Like that's a very difficult room to fill most of the time. That tracks, yeah. I mean, we do well with the rooms that we book, but we have to sure. book smaller rooms relative to like the size of our audience in LA than basically any other city. I wonder which column Ireland is in. Is Ireland yeah. a real live podcast rule or is it fake? I want to go. I want to go back to Dublin. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I did my study abroad there in college. I miss Dublin terribly. I want to golf. <laughs> I don't think they have that there. That's Scotland only. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, just fly with my clubs out there to do nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Andrew, uh, if, if we can make it up to you with a, a nice long P1, I hope that works out. Um, oh, yeah. Our next Priority One message is from Mariah, Kate, and T., whose favorite show is obviously Star Trek, and it is to Allie in the Mouth Six Bay. goes like this. On this, the occasion of your fourth decade, the Venn diagram of friends who love you, which is a circle, along with the portion of the Venn diagram who loves this pod, T being absent, want to wish you a happy birthday in the best Cosby voice <laughs> Ben can manage. Wow. Even when you are a week in, in a weakened state, the love we have for you is always strong. 
the geometry on this joke. I'm really trying to make that. <laughs> yeah. Allie, how can you be in the mouth six bay when Dr. Huxtable is an obstetrician? <laughs> which is appropriate for this episode. Even though doing the Picasso voice is not appropriate. It's always funny to do the Picasso voice. And you also share a birthday with Rudy. <laughs> All right. Well, if you'd like to uh, pimp us into potentially getting canceled, <laughs> head to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron and get yourself a P1 today. Yeah, do it today. They go a long way in supporting the production of the show. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. I think I'm going to have to give it to BLT for scrambling the doctor's egg into doing the procedure despite everyone... Ordering her not to. I mean, that that's like Edward Larkin-y. Yeah, it is. I think when you are hearing from everyone around you that the course of action you are advocating for is no bueno, you got to like give some serious consideration to what if they're right. And yeah, messing with a friend's head in spite of that uh, feels like a really... Really wild choice for BLT to make. So uh, I think she's my drunk Shimoda today. Yeah. How about you? I mean, the most surprising choice made in the episode is uh, Paris forgiving and not leaving BLT at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of a dark Shimoda. Yeah. I think Paris is going to be it for me for that reason. Wow. Dark Shimoda. Well, it's time for us to uh, figure out what we're going to be doing next week. Of course, it'll be Season 7, Episode 13, Repentance. The issue of capital punishment divides the crew when Voyager agrees to transport condemned prisoners to their deaths. Can't believe they would agree to do something like that. It's just a beat-for-beat Con Air episode of Voyager. (laughs) (laughs) how great would that be oh man sign me up yeah all right i'm at uh gach.biz slash game where we keep the game of buttholes looks like there's a couple things we could hit uh we could hit a caretaker square which randomizes where we are on the board we could also hit a coco no no square you're required to learn as you play roll I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone see what we got in store. Adam, I rolled a four. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. We landed on square 13. Jumping both of those regular episode next week. Amazing. Amazing. Well, hey, thank you for for listening to this episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, We got to thank our producer, Wendy Pretty, who... Edits these episodes, makes us sound good, uh, makes it that much more pleasant to listen to. Speaking of enduring uh, that which could be seen as unforgivable, we've really loaded her up with some <laughs> long, crazy episodes lately, and yeah. uh, she's made us sound great. So thanks to Wendy. Yeah, thanks to Friends of DeSoto who support the show. Miriam ways to do it. You can uh, get a Jumbotron, you can head to podshop.biz and get something to wear or to 
use around the house, you can uh, leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. You can recommend it to a friend. Best of all, you can support us at MaximumFun.org slash join. We really appreciate the friends of DeSoto who do that mm-hmm. and get a uh, monthly bonus episode for their trouble. Yeah. Yeah, lately we've been doing great bonus episode work, Ben. Yeah, I agree. I really agree with that. Got to thank Bill Tilly, at Greatest Trek on all social media. He's running our social media account. Does a great job with it. Got to thank Nick Dittmore, who did our show art. And the great Adam Ragusea, who uh, composed the Janeway song off of Dark Materia's original inspiration. Find Adam Ragusea, where all great internet is created. Find him, or he'll find you. (laughs) True. And with that, we'll be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where... Adam and I finally get what we deserve. The death penalty? (laughs) Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. Wow. All right. You you know what we did. I know many of the things we did. Make it so. Make it so. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.